0: tornado near Toulon. We learned more this morning about where the tornado touched down, and what to do if you find yourself near one. We are all anticipating a brutal summer for mosquitoes in Winnipeg, but it turns out, kind of much ado about nothing in the city. But what about rural Manitoba? We speak with someone who lives near the Winnipeg River, who says it's like Jurassic Park out here. Hate crimes are on the rise in Canada. If someone is spreading hate, even misinformation... What do you do? Do you confront, engage, or just walk away? And what are the things that you need that you just don't buy? I'll tell you what I need and refuse to buy because I'm lazy. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Loren McNabb and Greg Mackling who is on vacation. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb and this is the Wednesday, August 3rd podcast for the start. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling's vacation in Southern California continues. And yesterday, Loren, I was just getting a flurry of notifications from various weather apps on my phone, predominantly Environment Canada, thunderstorm watches, thunderstorm warnings, tornado watches, tornado warnings. And then I got the actual emergency alert at 639 that the tornado warning had been, it just simply says, Environment Canada has issued a tornado warning for this mobile coverage area. That's when I had to double check. Is Winnipeg under the warning? But it looks like it was for just north of us in St. Andrews. Uh, That warning lasted about 10 minutes. And that's right around when that tornado came down.
1: Yeah, I still can't figure out why I don't get those warnings. I haven't had them on my phone from the start since they started that alert system within the past couple of years. But Obviously, with what was going on yesterday, was well aware that that was a possibility. Just with how muggy and sticky and gross it was, and you know, it had me thinking as the kids were outside playing and biking around and asking to do different things about how to what advice to give them. I kept saying, "Okay, well, watch the weather. Like, watch for the dark clouds and wind, or no wind, or rain, or if it gets still, or too still, or too not still." Like, I, I just felt like I was giving terrible advice, but very aware that tornado activity could happen and yeah we did have one touchdown just north of winnipeg netley creek toulon settings there's some hail there as well we have some farmers texting this morning of damage that they've seen and you know they're hoping to get crops off sooner later for some of their crops and so we'll have to wait and see what Damage there might have been from that storm, but I don't think a drop of rain fell south of the city. Was there any in Winnipeg last night?
0: Not that I saw, unless there was some overnight. I went to bed I think just before ten o'clock, so I don't know if it rained at all last night. It did rain this morning. Uh, I was uh, somewhere after five fifteen, between five fifteen and five fifty. Mm-hmm. It rained a little bit downtown Winnipeg. Yeah, I don't know if it's still raining right now. It doesn't look like it. Might be sprinkling. I don't know, but uh, and very dark clouds behind me as I look outside the window at 201 Portage. I did look at the radar. It looks like there's some really light precipitation moving through southern Manitoba this morning, but uh, certainly not the uh, potential, you know, strong weather that we saw yesterday
1: no so we're going to have environment canada join us just after 6 15 to give us the latest on what what was seen what wasn't seen and and where there may have been some damage although we're hoping it's minimal and then of course i, I do have a question about you know when you're in that scenario what should you be watching for because if you're not in a, in a warning area you, you might be in a watch and then i'm trying to figure out well what do i watch for in terms of changing weather patterns and obviously if you're at home and you're able to get to a basement that's no big deal but of course lots of us might be coming from home from work at that time or in your car or like I said out doing some activity with your kids or playing a sport and so there's lots of things to consider. It's normal, normal for this time of year to have that but uh, I, I, I that, that definitely had that feeling yesterday that something could go down like as if I'm the weather chaser from <laughs> Twister.
0: Well, <laughs> yeah, Bill Paxton. Yeah. And Helen Helen, I'm Helen Hunt, Hunt. Yeah. Watching for floating cows. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? Like we're not all storm chasers, so we don't necessarily know the, the stuff to look for. Like when you, we used to work with a storm chaser here at 680 CJOB and he could look up at the clouds. I would send him pictures and say, what does this mean? <laughs> and he would say, oh yes. Okay. Yeah. They, uh, see, notice the formation of the clouds. That means the wind is coming up high, but it could push it down or I don't know, something like that. He knew, what to look for in terms of serious serious weather, uh, and another part of the problem too is that a, lot, a lot of us enjoy storms and think that they're neat and we might want to get a closer look to them. I mean, obviously not if you're right out in the middle of the open. You want <laughs> I wouldn't want to be stuck out in the middle of a field or something when the rain starts coming down or thunder and lightning starts. But uh, I I wouldn't know. And I, I would I will admit having I remember this is dumb. I was golfing at Kingswood and there was a storm rolling. So I'd already played uh, one round that day. And then I decided I'm going to go back around by myself. So I played in the morning, beautiful sunny morning. This was five years ago or so. And then in the afternoon, clouds started to roll in really ominous clouds. And I don't I don't know if it if it was touchdown or what, but there was definitely a funnel cloud mm-hmm. to my right. No idea how far it was. It looked pretty close, but I just thought, well, it doesn't appear to be coming this way. It looks like it's just going the other way. Yeah, and I, you're and human I just, with that. And though. I just hit a good shot on this hole, so I want to try to get my birdie. <laughs> but in hindsight, I should what I should have done is gotten in my cart turned back and gotten back to the clubhouse as quickly as I could.
1: Right, because we're not the experts, right? It's easy to look at that. Even the photos that are coming out of the Toulon area and, and Netley Creek, you look at them and you think, well, that doesn't look too bad. Well, what's too bad? And how quickly before it becomes something that's very bad and you know very well that things can shift quickly. So it's worthy a conversation because this is tornado season. And so it could happen. In your, in your you know in your area, funnel clouds have certainly been spotted over Winnipeg or near Winnipeg before. And of course, we know we've had tornadoes like the one last night touch down and, and bigger ones than that caused damage. So you're hu- there's a weird human desire to see it mm-hmm. and experience it, but not experience it. If that makes any sense, you want you want to spot it for whatever reason that is that's in us, and then you want to get the heck out of it.
0: Yep. We want to get you more information on that tornado that touched down just north of the city last night. We're joined now by James Colangelo, meteorologist with Environment Canada. James, good morning to you, sir.
2: So, tell us about what was seen. Yeah, so we had a, uh, a thunderstorm kind of roll through the uh, Interlake region uh, yesterday evening. And uh, with that, it actually uh, spawned a tornado just east of Toulon at about quarter to seven yesterday evening. Uh, there was also a report of, of golf ball-sized hail in uh, Camarno, Manitoba, which is just north of there. So uh, not not a friendly storm.
1: <laughs> no, Camarno, Mosquito Capital as well. We've been talking about bugs this morning and all the weird weather we've had so far this year. James, when you talk about that hail and the tornado, any damage as a result? Uh,
2: no, we didn't actually receive any reports of uh, damage or injury, so uh, that's always a good thing. <laughs> And do we know the
0: intensity of the tornado that touched down?
2: Uh, not at the current moment. Uh, we don't have that information yet, uh, as it just took place last night. Uh, but that will be uh, coming shortly.
1: <laughs> okay, so when, if you find yourself in that situation, you know, some of us might have got that alert on our phones. Some of us might have been out driving, or you might be out with your kids, as I was saying, and you suddenly realize that there's a watch or warning out. What do you do if you find yourself in the hail In your car or when you see that twister or tornado in the distance what's the advice Uh,
2: so what i can tell you is uh, you want to take shelter immediately when you see a tornado or when you receive a tornado warning uh, alert on your phone Uh, so what you want to do is uh, go to uh, the center of your home uh, stay away from windows doors and any loose objects uh, and uh, preferably go to a basement if you can uh, if you happen to be out driving and you don't have any uh, shelter to go to and you get caught in the storm, uh, what I can say is uh, if, it, if you see the tornado, uh, you, you do want to get out of your car and go to a uh, low-lying area, preferably a ditch, uh, so you want to stay away from, uh, from cars or mobile homes, things like that.
0: And as far as the storms that did roll through, what about, you got any rainfall totals? Because I was looking at the radar last night, and the radar I was looking at had some cells that were north of Winnipeg with purple in the middle. Usually it's uh, sort of a deep red if it's really intense, but if it's mega intense, then it's uh, a different color. Um, that's not something I'm used to seeing. So any any clue how much rain may have fallen yesterday?
2: Uh. We do actually uh, have a one uh, rainfall uh, amount to uh, report. Uh, it, uh, the storm went through uh, Great Falls, which is just near Pinawa, and uh, we received about 25 millimeters there. Uh, unfortunately, our uh, monitoring network isn't as, uh, as dense as we'd like it to, so we didn't get to uh, see any higher amounts than that, unfortunately.
1: Before we let you go, James, you know those conditions yesterday. I'd said to Brett, felt like something was coming. Is there something when when we're out and about, say we're at a great distance from social media or we can't get the radio on? If it's a hot day like that, is that just just a greater chance of a a tornado when it's that sort of humidity and that kind of system?
2: Uh, It's not always, uh, but it is. It can be a sign of that. Uh, What I can say is, if you you know if you see. clouds billing up very quickly and uh, um, kind of the sky changed color a little bit with those uh, clouds. That could be indicative of a storm coming. Uh, So uh, it's a good idea to uh, seek shelter when you uh, see that happening.
0: All right, James Colangelo, Environment Canada. Thank you very much. We appreciate the time, sir. No problem at all. Have a good day. And that 25 millimeters might not sound like a lot, but these storms were blowing through real fast. like They were tracking really quickly, so it might have just been like a quick hit, Mm -hmm. but 25 millimeters in A few minutes' time—that's a lot,
1: right? And we have some listeners reporting hail damage that they did get uh, on on their crops. We have a listener showing pictures of loony-size hail, and then, of course, if you're out driving and you're in it, that's scary. There's the images out of Red Deer yesterday, Brett, where people were ducking in their car as baseball-size hail not slammed through their windows. I mean, in that in that moment, you're just covering and praying for the best. Yeah.
0: What do you do? You're you're in your car and the windows are getting smashed out around you. That is terrifying. What is something that you need to buy? Maybe not necessarily an immediate need, like I like something that you need to function every day, like you need food, right? So you're gonna go out and buy food. But the example here is uh as it pertains to my eyewear, because I need some sort of corrective lens, be it glasses or contacts, I Always wear contacts. I own a pair of glasses, but it's the same pair of glasses I've had since the mid to late 90s. So the prescription is horrifically out of date. Wear
1: them. Wear them. Wear them. (laughs) Unsafe. Yeah,
0: fair enough. I I stopped wearing them, I think, five years ago in the car because I thought, I can't see out of these anymore. So I just stuck with the contacts. But I prefer wearing the contacts anyway. But because of the, I have an astigmatism in my right eye. So sometimes my eye gets irritated. And like this morning I I put my contacts in and I look up my eye is bloodshot. Like it was kind of itchy this morning when I got up and then I put the contacts in and I realized my eyes bloodshot. I thought, geez, it looks like I have pink eye. Uh, So I got to work, tried to tough it out, said, Nope, took out my right contact. So now my left contact is in, I can see clear out of the left Right eye is is blurry, so I'm getting a headache with this mixed bag of vision. I need glasses. I don't know why I keep putting this off. Every time I go to the do- eye doctor, every two years, I say, this is it. I'm going to get glasses. Do I do that? No, I kick that can down the road because I'd rather spend my money on pizza. Just stupid.
1: Like, things for our health. We just seem to put off.
0: Yeah. Like, if you need a new bed, that's, you know, because, oh, it's going to cost me $1,000 or whatever. You'll, you'll put that off and sleep on your bumpy You've talked about a mattress that had a, it an took us, indentation. It, it had
1: like I couldn't get out of it. It was like a can like a crevasse that I'd roll <laughs> into and then be trapped there until the morning. It took us a couple years before we finally. Like, it's just pure stupidity. I don't know why that is.
0: Yeah, we're okay with going out and wasting that frivolous cash and fun stuff, but stuff that we need for our day to day lives, eh, that can wait. So two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Loren, why don't we start with you?
1: Okay, I have like a list of a zillion things that I've put off. That I, like, I, we, we, we did at our floors in the winter um, because of a flooding situation, and then I haven't hung anything back up on the walls since January because I just don't want to mark them. They're nice and freshly painted, and I don't want to touch them. But the thing that's just super ridiculous is that we have a big, we have a garden bed in the back where I have some lettuce and tomatoes and potatoes, et cetera, growing. I've got a bed of flowers. I've got hanging plants in the front and the back. And I've gone through, I think, two or three watering cans now that Moose eats. Like, he just eats them. He just punctures them. Like, he'll go pick up the can. You won't notice that he's just chewed the bottom. Or he'll fill it up <laughs> with water and just spraying everywhere. So he did this last year. Then he did it again in the fall. And then in the spring, I was like, I'm going to go get another one. And I... Stupidly left it outside. Next day, watering can looked like just it had been attacked. And so I have no watering can. So what I'm doing now is I either fill up a cooler of water and roll it over and then pour buckets of water into the different beds. Or I have a hose that doesn't reach the corner beds. And then I put my thumb over it, you know, where you can make the water spray farther. And so then it takes like three times as long. So I put my thumb over the end of the hose and try to create my own sprinkling system to reach the flower beds rather than go out and buy like another $12 can and just take better care of it. So it takes me two or three times as long. And for some reason I'm just like, no, I'm not spending that money because it's just a waste of my moose time.
0: (laughs) Oh, your dog, the adventures that you have with your dog make me smile. Even though I know he drives you off the wall. Yeah, well. (laughs) Poitras, what about you?
3: Uh, I got this, Piece of crap uh, bath brush that I spent seven dollars on at Marshall. Yeah, like an old man got to reach the back areas, <laughs> and so I'm stuck with this thing. It's terrible. I hate it, but I spent seven bucks on it. So what am I supposed to do? Spend ten dollars, fifteen dollars? No, it's attached to the hip. I'm I, I can't get rid of it. I, I had to be honest. I life.
1: I didn't think anyone had bath brushes anymore.
3: I didn't think. Anyone did either, and then I went and bought one because I don't know why I felt like I needed something like that. Now I got it and stuck with it for the rest of my life. So,
0: do you also use uh, what do you call those things with uh, I don't know, the I think my mom used to to call it like a shower poof, yeah, loofah. There it is. (laughs) No, I
2: don't have a (laughs) loofah.
0: Okay, yeah, I don't that's I, I, I would use one of those, but I just I just find it easier to use a bar of soap. I don't know. But, uh, but it, I don't smell like Old Spice Swagger or it, something.
1: Is the back brush, like, was it? Was there a time in life where that the back was just a really dirty, dirty part of the body? <laughs> and Someone's like, we better get well, a brush for this midsection of your back.
3: It's disgusting. This is, way, this is way too much information, but I sweat, like, only in this very <laughs> spot in my back. Like, I have very sweaty hands. And, like, my other sweaty part of my body is, like, this center spot in, on my back that I can't reach. Um, So I get very sweaty there. So I had to get this back, and it's I hate it. So there's method to this madness.
0: Okay. So it's a daily fight with the cheap back brush, but too stubborn (laughs) to go out and spend a bit more money on a better back brush. Forte, what
3: about you? For me, it's... uh, Now, this happened two years ago where the fan for my air conditioning in my car crapped out, and I got it fixed, and it cost me a few hundred bucks, which sucks to pay. But this year... It's crapping out again, but it's not fully dead. It only works at the lowest, like uh, the lowest speed, so it doesn't really blow that hard. And the place I went and got it fixed the first time, they're out of business now. Oh no! So yeah, I can't go. I can't go back to them, and I don't know how much it's going to cost me. So I'm just kind of you know keeping it off because <laughs> I don't drive much. But you know, I, in the winter time when it's really cold out, cold outs, I'm going to want some heat, and uh, I think that's what I'm going to have to.
0: So, the, so it only works on the lowest setting when it's yeah. either cold or hot.
3: Yeah, so even Ooh. even when you crank it up all the way, it's still on the lowest speed. So it just, just blows a little bit. As we speak,
0: the first grain shipment to depart Ukraine since Russia has invaded is making its way through Turkish waters.
1: It's carrying 26,000 tons of corn. Its final destination is Lebanon. Russia, of course, has been blockading Ukraine's ports since February. And not only has this impacted global food shortages, it's impacted the food situation in Ukraine. And so as that ship made its way out of that country earlier this week, its prime minister said he hoped it would become a more regular sighting and provide that more signs of hope for people of his country. Of course, nothing has been operating as it should in Ukraine for months now. And here at home, that's caused so many sleepless nights. For thousands of Ukrainian Manitobans, signs of normalcy, like that ship, they're few and far between. But this week in Winnipeg, there has been this show of solidarity, a show that hasn't been around for several years, is back. Folklorama, as we've been talking about, is now well underway. And with it, the Ukraine Kyiv Pavilion. Marianna Sklopowicz joins us now. Good morning, Marianna. Good morning. I just before we get into what you're doing with the pavilion, and, and I know the, the the chance to be back together is important. Just how are you and and what have the past few months been like for you as you and yours watch and wait for any good news out of Ukraine?
4: Uh, You know, we're trying to remain hopeful and um, doing what we can to support our families and our friends uh, back in Ukraine uh, and throughout the world and just um, banding together as much as possible as a community uh, and and really, um, you know, helping out those who are arriving here as well. So it's it's definitely been um, not an easy few months, uh, to say the least. But, uh, you know, we're really, really, um, the unity of the community has been uh, incredible. And um, and so it, it gives us hope that, you know, we'll, there are better days to come.
0: Now, the pavilion opened on Sunday. What's it been like to see people back together for the first time in two years?
4: It's definitely been exciting um, and, you know, definitely some mixed emotions for sure in there. But it's been fantastic to be able to to be uh, in the same space and to share our love for our culture and our traditions Um It's, you know, our pavilion for our community is is definitely a bit of a meeting place or hub. uh, And it serves as a bit of a kind of like an extended family for us. So it's really a bit of a reunion uh, each year. And so to not have seen each other for a while and being able to, uh, you know, come together again uh, has been very special. Um, And of course, uh, with everything going on, there's that added element of emotion um, added in and so it's really so much more meaningful this year than it has been in the past and it's been meaningful for us in the past but it's you know that we're I think even more so appreciative of the fact that we have this opportunity and this freedom to share and celebrate our culture um to pass on our traditions to newer generations, to share it with other Canadians, uh, to express our gratitude for for being able to call Canada a home for thousands, tens of thousands of Ukrainians outside of Ukraine.
1: It's a special time, as you mentioned, at any year, Marianne, and now here you are with all this going on, Uh, so many thousands of kilometers away I'm just curious has it changed what you've been doing at the pavilion in terms of programming you talk about the change in emotion and the the different emotions you might be experiencing but what about some of the things that you just put on
4: yeah so there's definitely um, there's definitely a bit of a different uh, atmosphere I would say Uh, a little bit more subdued uh, I would say Underneath it all, it's almost there's this fierce pride and a bit of defiance maybe, but this fierce pride in our identity and and uh, wanting to make sure that we uh, continue to um, you know to to acknowledge it and to and to uh, make sure that um, you know we continue all of those um, near and dear traditions and and everything that we hold. So close to our hearts and make sure that they don't get lost. Uh, within our pavilion, um, we have focused our attention on uh, and really are, are working to, uh, to help um, newcomers uh, Ukrainian newcomers to, to Manitoba. And so our revenues from this year's pavilion are going to, to help um, support newcomers and also to help with humanitarian relief efforts for Ukraine. Uh, In addition to that, um, you know, and actually, I would just say that we've had tremendous um, support that we have felt as a community from uh, visitors uh, to our pavilion and others who, you know, just um, expressed words of support for us. Um, You'll see, you know, some... Just uh, there's opportunities also to kind of learn a little bit more about Ukraine and some of the different um, different areas of the country that you know you may have learned um, about through the news, but kind of learning a bit more about what um, you know what those areas would have been known for before. What are some uh, prominent landmarks? What are some some beautiful parts about um, the the various regions of Ukraine. The country is a very diverse, uh, both kind of in in its um, terrain, but also uh, the various regions have kind of different influences and different unique aspects of the culture about them. So uh, it's been been interesting to be able to share that um, with, with visitors and even within our own community. Um The other thing I would mention is that um we've really um we really had a you know been focused on welcoming uh Ukrainian newcomers and refugees to into our pavilion so there's quite a number who have been volunteering um here with us who visited us uh and even a few who've performed on our marketplace uh, stage just sharing their love for music and and their culture. And, um, and we've really felt that uh, and heard from them that how, how precious and how uh, heartwarming it is for them to see their culture uh, being celebrated so widely in, um, in such a faraway place.
0: Mariana Sklpovich, joining us live on 680 CJOB from the Ukraine-Kiev Pavilion at Folklorama. And you can get more information at Folklorama.ca. Mariana, thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. What's the stuff that you need to buy? Maybe not immediately, but you know you need it, and you just don't for whatever reason. You're kicking that can down the road, too cheap, too whatever. For a chance to win tickets for the Bird Block Party, Friday, August 19th. And, uh, Loren, let's start with Amanda.
1: Okay, Amanda says, uh, years ago, and I'm not going to say how many, we discovered a leak in our main bathroom. The only bath with a bathtub. My husband kept telling me he'd fix the leak. He'd find it, fix it. But in the meantime... He MacGyvered a system that consisted of buying a $10 hose, commonly used for some pumps, that allowed it to connect to the bathroom sink and divert water into the bathtub. If you wanted a bath, it would take about 40 minutes to fill the tub. If anyone knows a plumber, hit me up. Ha ha ha. And I'm like, wait a minute, Knows? Amanda answers, just for the record, it's still not fixed, and he is not even bothered by the inconvenience.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And Cheryl says, a couple years ago, we had a rash of break-ins. They got into our garage, and over the summer, they stole every piece of equipment that we had, including a garden tiller, two lawnmowers, a snowblower, and even my wheelchair. We replaced the wheelchair, but nothing else. We have a scythe that we use to cut the grass.
1: And I said, I'm sorry to hear this. That's so invasive and scary. I hope you're doing well. But secondly, I said, sorry, it's Scythe. And uh, Cheryl says, I know. And now he looks really scary using it, so no one (laughs) dares
0: to break in. It's just like the Grim Reaper. Am I saying that right? Is it Scythe or Sith? I I thought it was Scythe. (laughs) We've we've had this conversation before. Scythe,
1: Sith, or Scythe. Let us know. (laughs) I feel like that'd be strangely satisfying, though. Sky? like you'd be annoyed after five minutes of it. Yeah, but I, you'd exercise some frustrations in mowing that lawn with your.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, like you said, like the shell said, looks like a mean, mean machine using that stuff. No one's gonna mess with somebody with that. After the onslaught of snow and then rain this past spring, most Winnipeggers assumed we would be getting just hammered with bugs this summer. But the average daily trap count for mosquitoes sits at 30. Nowhere near the criteria for fogging. And even uh, one of our listeners pointed out yesterday, to Loren, the wasps have mm-hmm. been decent this year, I guess because they actually have a natural abundance of foods, so they don't have to come bother us while we're trying to have a picnic. But what does this all mean? David Wade is the superintendent of insect control for the city of Winnipeg and says larva siding is clearly working.
2: Overall, the trap counts have been very good and um, we've, been, we've been able to keep the mosquitoes at a, at a manageable level.
1: Short and sweet, but the same can't be said for communities outside of Winnipeg. Some communities, that is. Yesterday, we got this text from a listener in Say King who said, We have mosquitoes, bulldogs, lumberjacks, and fish flies. I had a screen tent, you know, to stop the bugs, but I swear our black bear tore it apart. So we decided we just had to hear more. Uh, we asked the woman behind the text to join us this morning, and we're pleased to bring on Cheryl Board. Good morning, Cheryl. Good morning. Well, let's just start with the mosquitoes because that's the one we always complain about often. What are they like there? Describe the situation.
5: Uh, some days when it's windy, it's nice to come outside. But um, most days, we just make a dash from the vehicle to the house. And they're swarming. But some, I mean, those are the least of my worries. We have the lumberjacks. They're very huge. The ones with the their black spruce beetles with the long antennas. They bite really hard. There's tons of those around our house. And oh, those ones bite, do they? They bite? They do. You know what? No word of a lie. One landed on my ear and it screamed in my ear. Those things sound awful. They scream.
0: Oh, man. I, there were a bunch of those on the golf course the other day at uh, Granite Hills in Lactubani. Just uh, sort of uh, pay me a quick picture here, Cheryl. Whereabouts uh, are you?
5: I'm at the end of the Winnipeg River where Pine Falls is and where the Lake Winnipeg starts.
0: Okay. So you say the mosquitoes are the least of your problems. You got lumberjacks. The, the, those are the black beetles with the long antennas. Didn't know they bite. Thanks for the tip on oh, that. You also they refer to... Hard. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. So uh, they, they look like they probably want to bite through trees and whatnot. Bulldogs. What are bulldogs?
5: Bulldogs, they look like big black flies, but they're a little bit on the browner side. Those two also bite hard. And if you go for, um, like we we live right where the beaches, and if you go in the water, the bulldogs come right after you, and they swarm you.
0: Is that not a horsefly?
5: I think it is a horsefly.
1: It, it's something similar. I noticed them for the first time in a while uh, when I was up in Riding Mountain this past weekend, Cheryl, that when we were on the water, your ankles and whatnot got nipped really quickly. So you had the bugs, those kinds of flies to contend with. So you're not alone, at least. I don't know if that makes you feel any better, that there are, of course, other communities dealing with this. But then you said you put it, like, you're swarmed by the mosquitoes. You have the lumberjacks. You have the bulldogs. So you've put up a tent. Tell us what the tent was like and then what happened to it.
5: Okay. uh, We have a black bear that comes here every day and scopes out the yard, scopes out the vehicles. I, I have uh bear paw, paw prints on our vehicles every morning he just comes and looks around see what's to eat like i left burger king in the truck the other day and that was my mistake and he was really clawing at the door to get at it
0: did, did he damage the vehicle
5: uh no we well we've gotten a couple scratches before but not lately like we can even see his paw prints he sits on top of the truck mm.
1: so he He's, took the, um did he take down the tent then
5: well, it's ripped apart. So we went and bought another one, but we take it down every day <laughs> just so he can't get on it. And we do have I do have a video of uh we have a deck and it's surrounded by screen. Even that was ripped apart by a bear last summer and he was pawing away trying to come in the living room window.
0: Wow. So is there any it, it, relief it, it,
5: double pain. Sorry.
0: Is there any relief at all like because for example, a buddy when I, I mentioned I was at Grounded Hills Golfing, a friend of mine he and his family had rented a cabin uh, on the street like basically down the street from the course and it was lovely and they, there was a, it came with a lovely yard but he said that they couldn't stay outside beyond 7 pm because the bugs were horrific. So do you at least get some relief during the day?
5: Uh, at the day I'm at work, and most of the time we stay inside. And there's also another bug. I don't know what the, the term, the real name for the bugs are, but they're called seeums. They come through the screen, and they come through the screen tent, and those two also bite. They're like little gnats.
1: Yeah, I've heard of the oh, no. no. So no relief. I'm, no relief. I'm curious, Cheryl, before we let you go, you know, so many of us look forward to summer. Are you a summer person or a winter person then, given what you- i
5: I think I'm a winter person because <laughs> at least the winter I can be outside. Oh, man. Well, best of luck out there this morning, I guess, Cheryl, is where we should leave it at. Yeah, the best thing is the wind. The windy days are the best.
0: Cheryl Bird with some wisdom. Enjoy. I, we often complain about the wind, but if you're in an environment like that, yeah, the wind will keep the bugs away. I wonder if they call them no C M, if that's also a bit of wordplay, because when the way it's spelled, it's just spelled and I, I would have thought it was like N O S I U M, but it's N O S E E U M as in no see because they're too small.
1: Yeah, they're, I think these are the little wee ones that can come into your house, too, and you, you don't, like, they produce eggs really quickly, and then they lay eggs in, like in, a, uh, like, in your marsh area or soil, and then, they like, if you have a plant in the house, they sometimes show up. I, I don't know what the real word is for no It
0: looks like also known as biting midges, punkies, sandflies, or biting gnats.
1: Or the serratopondiginai. <laughs> I see
0: that too. I didn't want to take a shot at that. (laughs) I didn't get that right. So, well, I
1: appreciate Cheryl texting, first of all, for being such a great listener, for sharing her story with us and, uh, keep the Burger King out of the car.
0: And 204-780-6868, uh, feel free to let us know what your experience is. If you're in the city of Winnipeg, how has your summer been thus far for bugs? And if you're out of the city, what are you experiencing where you are? Because... In the city, it feels like it's been kind of much ado about nothing so far. Like, mosquitoes haven't been bad. I think I saw all of th- four canker worms. Like, there, there have been times where I simply could not go for a walk because of canker worms in years past, but this year... I saw one or two, I thought, oh, here we go,
1: Well, a lot and then of, that's it. A lot of these things go through cycles, right? They might be bad every five years, every 10 years, or every 15 years. Mosquitoes are more of the annual thing. And like so many things in Manitoba, we all have different names for us. So Jacob texted to say, hey, what Cheryl was calling lumberjacks, you know, might be known as a, a Sawyer beetle, and the bulldogs are what some others might call horseflies. So maybe just it's colloquial for where you are. Bulldog is a much more fun name. Yeah, and lumberjack you know just get away you don't want that anything anywhere near you
0: (laughs) yeah and it makes sense lumberjack because if that thing is sawing through trees you definitely don't want it sawing through your ear as uh, she pointed out (laughs) New data from Statistics Canada, which is showing a large increase in police-reported hate crimes. It's the second consecutive year officers have tallied significant increases of these kinds of crimes.
1: Yeah, and we've been talking about this for a couple of years because of that slow uptick. In Winnipeg, there was 40 hate crimes in 2020. That's nine more than... And sorry, there was 40 in 2021. So that's nine more than there were in 2020. And there's all sorts of reasons why this is happening. There's anger out there. Um, Experts have talked about social media. They talked about people promoting hateful ideas. So what do we do with all this? Global's Kyle Benning has more.
6: It's because of you, Chinese people. Incidents like this one in a Quebec grocery store are being brought to police attention more frequently than in the past. New data from Statistics Canada outlines just how much more. But for those looking to stomp out intolerance, the numbers fall short of painting a true picture.
7: Forever we are told to go back to a country that we may not have any association with.
6: That kind of trauma will never show in numbers. Police reported hate crimes across the country increased 27% between 2020 and 2021. With more than 3,300 crimes reported last year, it's an increase of 72% over the last two years. And those numbers are thought to be incomplete. Stats Canada says only about 22% of incidents perceived to be hate motivated are reported to police.
8: We haven't seen that as prevalent in our community, but we can't say that it, it doesn't drive you know, some of the other crime stats that we have.
6: Organizations based on religion, ethnicity, nationality, and sexual orientation have worked with local authorities. We've asked for more support. We've asked for more officers in hate crime units. We've asked
4: federal government for funding from its safety infrastructure program. But we're also working with government to change policies.
6: And that policy shift is already in the works. The federal government has wrapped up in-person consultations on its national plan to combat hate. The Canadian Race Relations Foundation, a crown corporation, is asking Ottawa to step up with funding for organizations that support victims of hate, as well as a fund for survivors. Right now, individuals have to navigate through a patchwork of provincial supports when going through criminal or human rights courts.
7: And typically they're doing it. themselves alone we want to make sure that there's people available that can help them through that journey
6: the foundation is calling for Ottawa to put 44 million dollars towards victim supports the justice minister's office told Global News the national plan will include establishing a support fund Kyle Benning Global News
1: so statistics Canada they've been gathering this kind of data since 2009 on hate crimes 2021 with the pandemic was sort of the first year that they saw a real uptick and that continues to go. And there's all sorts of things. We've talked about this before, right? That level of anger that's out there, Brett, that has people just saying things you wouldn't say in any other time and all of a sudden it suddenly is just acceptable. And I, I do think social media plays a role there where you're hiding behind the keyboard and you always hear that line. Well, if you wouldn't say it to my face, why are you saying to it? saying it here you know via text line via twitter via facebook but now people are saying it to people's faces and i don't know where when that wall got lifted it was bad enough with the hidden keyboard warriors and now to know that there's people out there acting out on that anger they're feeling is extremely disturbing
0: yeah winnipeg uh, also contributing to that upswing 40 hate crime incidents in 2021 nine more than the previous year Uh, i'm just making this cut, you're wondering when it when it started. Uh, I'm just going anecdotally on my own observation uh, and I know this is going to anger some people when I say this, but when Donald Trump was elected, I noticed a distinct shift in terms of the level of anger and hatred that just that we were seeing here at the radio station, it almost seemed to embolden people. I'm not suggesting that if you're a Trump supporter, that you're a hateful person. I'm just saying that was, that was when I noticed things start to change a little bit. And also, I'm not suggesting hate didn't exist before that. That's just my own observation. And you can make of that what you want. Right now, we want to talk about that storm that led to a tornado touching down just east of Toulon last night. It was over and done with in just a matter of minutes.
1: Yeah, but I think it's led to a cleanup in some parts this morning, according to some of our listeners, maybe even calls for claims because there was some high winds, rain, and in some parts, hail. About half an hour ago, I spoke with Drina Campbell, who lives in the Toulon area, and she says she hasn't seen hail like this in in years.
7: Just after six, it started to all of a sudden hail pretty bad. Like, uh, Went to the window, looked out, it was just white. Um, you could see on the patio, like huge hail balls. So I just grabbed my raincoat. (laughs) I ran out right away. First intuition is to go look at your vehicles. Um, yeah. And, uh, kind of did a little angry dance and yelled some words. I was raised not to say when I saw the damage.
1: (laughs) What kind of damage are we talking about?
7: Oh, there's some dents. There's some dents. And it did wreck some some plastic, actually, on my truck. Some plastic got broke off.
1: What about the house or eavesdrops or siding? Everything okay there? It seems to be. There's
7: a lot of uh, tree debris, of course, everywhere, all on the roof and whatnot. But really haven't had a chance to, to look, look at that.
1: So, What size of hail are we talking about, Drina?
7: Oh, they're at least golf ball size, if not some even bigger.
1: And did you wait for the hail to stop before you ran outside? Did your instinct was to go in the hail, or did you wait for that at least?
7: I ran out in the, in the heat of my anger. I grabbed a raincoat and went out. Because oh, I have
1: two vehicles outside, so was yeah. Did you have a place you could have moved them, like a garage? Is that what no, you were thinking?
7: No, no. And then I hopped in one of my trucks, and I'm like circling and circling, going, where's the
1: thickest bush I can drive No, <laughs> But it was already too late. Well, I'm glad you're doing okay, and I guess next time my only advice would be stay inside?
7: (laughs) Yeah, and not say words that my mother raised me not
0: to say. That is Drina Campbell, who lives in the Toulon area, and, Loren, I am uh, thankful and feel fortunate that I've never really been caught in any sort of severe hail. Like, I've been at home when hail started to come down, but, like, we're talking, like, little tiny pebbles Right. Uh, I've never seen, or sometimes people send us pictures of the hail that comes down in their backyard, and it looks like a snowstorm went through. I've never seen anything
3: like that.
1: Yeah, and I've been to situations where you go to the scene after, right, where you see the, the dents that the hail can cause. It smashes windows in some cases. And, you know, and instincts, instinct, like, she admits, you know, she should have stayed put, but you're you're thinking, i got to get out and move the car, and then she gets out there, and it's like, well, where am I moving the car too, because you don't want to have that kind of damage. And so we talk about, earlier this morning, we were talking to Environment Canada, what you're supposed to do in that situation. The the golf ball-sized hail hail while you're sitting in your vehicle is one thing. What happened in Alberta uh, within the last 48 hours when people were driving, Brett, was tremendous. Like, they were in their cars when a large weather system turned up like a horrifying situation with baseball-sized hail. This was in central Alberta, and we get more from Global's Jamie Dahl.
9: Cracked and toppled trees here in Innisfail down by that fierce storm that blew through this region on Monday night. Some fell on power lines causing outages. But the real nightmare was just north of here on the QE2 highway where hail the size of baseballs pummeled vehicles to the point they were no longer drivable, terrifying the people trapped inside. Sheer terror on the side of a busy Alberta highway.
5: It just it just started drilling us, like our back window got blown out right off the bat. All of a sudden, you just start seeing one by one windows left and right, blown, getting blown out. It's horrifying.
9: Three friends heading home to Edmonton after a weekend at a Calgary music festival, doing everything they can to take cover from the punishing and unrelenting hail being pitched out of the sky right through their car windows now wondering if they'll ever actually make it home.
5: There came a point where even I gave my parents a phone call like, hey, I love you guys. I don't know what's about to happen, but uh, just want, want you guys to know that I love you. I've
6: never seen anything like it before.
9: The supercell storm spawning hail as big as 10 centimeters in some places. That's larger than a softball. While no tornadoes touched down, it left drivers on the QE2 battered and bruised and stranded.
6: There was a number of people who were quite quite traumatized and shocked. Some of the vehicles, uh, airbags even deployed during the, the storm, even though they were pulled over and stopped. We did take some people directly to the hospital from scene who suspected that they had glass fragments in their eyes
0: pummeled us for about 20 to 25 minutes or so.
9: Chris Malone was working in the field when the first round of weather hit and it hit everything hard.
0: All of our vehicles are in a very sad state of repair, extensive glass damage, uh, a lot of body damage to everything in the yard.
9: Gibran Marquez says he has a concussion and his friend a possible broken rib. Safe now, he's reflecting on the wrath of the unbelievable weather he luckily walked away from.
5: Life can change in like a matter of seconds, right? And I'm gonna look at those notifications on the tornado warnings on your phone a lot different. Now
9: the fire chief estimates about 50 cars were damaged on the QE2 on Monday night. He believes most of them will probably be written off. The town of Innisfil will now focus their attention on cleaning up this mess. Environment Canada says we are at the peak of the severe summer weather season. And unfortunately, more systems could be on the way. Jamie Dahl, Global News, Innisfail.
0: And what if you've got a sunroof on your car? A lot of these cars now have these giant or panoramic two. sunroofs, right? Yeah, they right? go
1: from the windshield all the way to the back.
0: Yeah. So if you, like, in the video that you, and you can see the video at globalnews.ca of the, this couple just holding on to each other for dear life. It they, they appeared that they had a, a full roof. But even on my car, I've got a little sunroof that is right over me when I'm in the driver's seat so even that wouldn't necessarily provide me with the protection I might need in that sort of a situation
1: they had concussions they had bruised ribs and a a few things to consider you're in that storm you have to find a place to safely pull over that's one thing secondly when it's coming down that hard can you see enough to pull over you want to right because that will at least limit some of the impact and then what you mentioned that sunroof well then what am I doing if you have kids in the car you're throwing your body over them just to protect them That that is something else
0: We say hello now for our weekly sports chat to Bob Irving. Hello there, Bob. Good morning, Brett and Loren. How are you guys? Doing okay, Bob. Doing okay. Uh, You know what? Let's start with this. It's time for Dodger Baseball. Vin Scully, the Hall of Fame broadcaster for the Dodgers, has died at 94 years old. The longest tenure with any single professional sports team at 67 years. Going back to the Brooklyn Dodgers. My dad still calls him the Brooklyn Dodgers uh, just for fun. But what an incredible career for Vin Scully.
8: Yeah, he also did uh, football and golf. He did a little bit of everything, Brett. But he's best known for his work on baseball. Vin Scully is with the Dodgers in particular. Uh, You played just a clip there and I've been on Twitter this morning and there's been all sorts of uh, videos of him describing certain situations, uh, historic situations in baseball in particular. He had such a distinctive voice and he had just a beautiful rhythm to the way he described anything, baseball in particular, perfect enunciation and articulation. And Vince Kelly was a brilliant orator. You know, when you're doing baseball, the pace of Calling it is very slow. It's different from other sports, and there's lots of time to tell stories. And I think one of the things people loved about Vin Scully was you felt like you were sitting in your living room listening to him tell you a story, in addition to describing the baseball game and calling the balls and strikes. He uh, was just so easy to listen to. He didn't need a color analyst, he could do it all on his own. I just watched him describe Hank Aaron's 715th home run, which broke Bay Bruce's all time record. It was a televised game that Vin Scully did, and he did the full two minutes of describing that and the aftermath of it. And honest to God, if you were going to make a clip of how a broadcaster works in a situation like that, an emotional situation like that, that would be it. It was just, it was brilliant, and he was brilliant. You know, and it's a matter of opinion who the best of all time was among the American sportscasters, but a lot of people feel it was Vin Scully.
1: Mm. I've heard some people talk this morning about, you know, the idea, Bob, it would be like going to the game with your dad. He's describing the play and describing what's going on, and in between dropping in these little stories or giving you a life lesson and all the rest, right? And so baseball always has time for that kind of storytelling, and when we look at storylines this year, of course, a lot of fans here are Toronto Blue Jay fans, They're on a pretty good run, and I know quite a few folks might be heading to Minneapolis this week because they've got their series with the Twins, and so let's just talk a bit about ball and the current team, Blue Jays, looking pretty good.
8: Yeah, they the Blue Jays are looking good. They're certainly they're leading in the wild card race in the American League, and they're certainly not going to catch the Yankees in the American League East, but uh, they've been on a heater lately, the Blue Jays have. They got a brilliant pitching performance last night. They won a game in Tampa Bay, so they are looking good. There's still between 50 and 60 games left in the season, so a lot can happen. And the Jays didn't exactly load up yesterday at the trading deadline, but they did add a couple of pieces. I think if their pitching holds up, uh, you know, they'll be in the playoffs. They can certainly hit. they got a lot of guys who can hit, although George Springer, one of their top players, is injured, and nobody knows how long he's going to be out. But uh, they're looking good right now with uh, with 50-plus games still to go.
0: And also looking good right now, the Bombers. How do you feel about the team now that they are 8-0 and after beating the Stamps again?
8: Well, I was mightily impressed on the weekend, Brett, and I think everybody was, the way they went into Calgary and manhandled. I shouldn't say manhandled, but, you know, fought against adversity. They had injuries. They were on the road again. You know, they had to be a little wore down from their schedule, and they went in there and traded punches with Calgary and came out the winner in a game that I think a lot of people felt they probably would have a hard time winning. But if there were any people who still didn't believe in the Blue Bombers, after that game in Calgary, those people would have disappeared entirely. They're 8-0 on the year. They've won five of those eight games on the road, and they'll play a sixth road game tomorrow night in Montreal, and that will be sort of the end of this grind because the following game is seven days away, although you know that's against Montreal again a week from tomorrow night at IG Field. But, yeah, it's incredible what they're doing. It's totally incredible. When you go back to late 2019, When Zach Kolaris took over as the starting quarterback, they have won 25 of their 28 games, uh, meaningful games, regular season and playoff and great cup games, 25 of 28. That's 25 and three. You know, it's hard to wrap your head around that. And I think it's probably, I'd have to do some research. And I know that people who do the stats for the league are looking into it, but uh, that would, I would think, be unprecedented that a team would go 25 and three over a 28 game stretch like that. It's just, it's incredible what they're doing and what they've done.
1: And especially given their schedule this year. I know you were tweeting earlier this week talking about how they played Saturday, had that big win. Then they have to turn around and fly to Montreal today for tomorrow's game. You tweeted, what a wicked schedule. Uh, Yesterday we had defensive back Nick Taylor on. And he said, you know, maybe this is just the line they like to give. But he said, I don't mind it. I grew up wanting to play football. You want to play football every day if you can. So, you know, who cares? Get on with it. But what do you think overall of the schedule and, and how it's fallen for the Blue Bombers, given their success within it?
8: Well, it's been a, a tough schedule and every team, Loren, at some point in the CFL goes through a difficult period of a schedule where the games are kind of crammed in a little bit and there's no buy and all the rest of it. So it's a matter of how it falls. And this year for the Bombers, it fell with the buys coming later. And it was a little bit quirky, a little bit unusual, I think, in terms of them getting all three of their buys in the second half of the season. But I think in terms of how well you deal with it is all about your approach to it, your mental approach to it. And this comes from Mike O'Shea, who never, ever talks about the schedule being a grind, who, who won't let his players lean on that as an excuse. They just go about their business. The schedule is what the schedule is. We'll play the games when the league tells us to play them, and we will not talk about being tired or being worn out or, oh, we got the tough end of the schedule. That never Comes out in the bomber camp, and I think that's important because if you approach it in a positive way, as opposed to trying to say "always me," then it's easier to get through it.
0: And by the way, the pregame show, the Olympic Builders pregame show, starts at four thirty tomorrow, and kickoff at six thirty here on six eighty CJOB. Bob, before we let you go, we know you watch a lot of sports. The Icelandic Festival in Gimli had a world-class strongman competition over the weekend, hosted by the four-time World's Strongest Man champion Magnus Ver Magnuson. Have you ever watched those World's Strongest Man contests on TV? <laughs> I
8: haven't watched them uh, sort of to any extent, Brett, but I've stumbled uh, along them, you know, when I'm surfing. It's funny, I, I was watching the North American Axe Throwing Championship the other day. I guess this is what happens on a day you're bored in retirement. <laughs> and it was it was pretty cool. <laughs> but, but I've seen some of the strongman stuff. Hey, and it's impressive what those guys can do. But I don't have the same affinity for that as I do for football and golf and baseball and hockey and all the rest of it.
1: <laughs> Maybe there's a seniors game for axe throwing we can get you into, Bob. <laughs>
8: Yeah, I'll, I think I'll stick to golf. I haven't even come close to mastering that yet, so I'm going to keep working at it. <laughs>
0: okay. Bob, always enjoy our chats. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure, you guys. Have a good day. we got 90 seconds left here. Lorena. I believe you had flagged a message from Deborah as it pertained to mattresses.
1: Well, we talked about the things. We're asking you for a chance to win some tickets to, of course, the Burt Block Party on August 19th for the things that you know you need, that you really, really need, and you just don't want to buy. And mattresses came up, and she said her dad passed away in 2019. He had three bedrooms, and every mattress in his house was no more than five years old. He'd buy a mattress, not like it, buy a new one, but his old mattress in my bedroom... Then that mattress would go to the basement bedroom and then that other mattress would be tossed, so on and so forth. Every year, or at least, you know, every few years, he would repeat the process again and again and again. They finally bought him something with a memory foam topper and then the magic happened. <laughs> he was happy. So just, I love the cycling through of the mattress. Like, I don't want this. Do you want this? It's going in your room.
0: You know, the, those foam toppers are can be a great, uh, like, let's say you need a new mattress, but maybe you can't afford yep. a new mattress. Those Those foam toppers are uh, sort of a a, a, can be a good stopgap right yeah or much cheaper
1: like way cheaper 30 bucks or 20 bucks you roll that out you throw it on you're laughing
0: yeah i think i had one in my mattress when i lived with my parents because it was the same deal this is a mattress that i think went for almost 20 years and eventually i was like can we do something about this and they said well we got this top thing and we tried it and it was great so whatever there was no point in getting a new mattress at that point About an hour ago, we were talking about hate crimes and the fact that they're on the rise in Canada for the second year in a row.
1: So that's, of course, the numbers from Stats Canada. Hate crimes up 27% compared with 2020. And if you go back two years, they're up 72%. Hate crimes reported in Winnipeg also jumped. There was 40 in last year. That's nine more than 2020 when we had this chat at 7:50 you were talking about where you think you can pinpoint where we started to see some more of that vitriol and we were asking the question, you know, why? Like what's going on out there? Well, social science professor Barbara Perry says harmful political narratives are upping feelings of hate.
7: Creation of a climate Of hate that really enables it that you know gives legitimacy uh, to sentiments that might have been latent uh, before, or in fact might actually create uh, you know new hatreds amongst some individuals.
1: I think Brett, you know, where we saw that page turn on facts not mattering and opinions became the thing, and you could come up with all the facts you want and proof of, of, of different things or science backing things up and people would just say no thanks you know here's my opinion and social media for sure according to Barbara Perry it's not helping I don't think any of us would disagree with that but what I was wondering this morning is what do you do when you see this there's like the the hate and the hate crimes as we just discussed but then there's just that anger that's out there and whether you confront someone when you hear them saying something that's hateful or even just rude or wrong or mean or do you just walk away because sometimes that's feels easier in that moment like what do you do when you either see it in person or even online
0: when we talk about social media it's uh, clear of the three of us who is the most active on twitter that would be greg because we're always making fun of greg and i like to call him twitter light that's my way of saying stop sharing so many tweets with us um at one in the morning when you're (laughs) when you should be on vacation yeah but uh i you know so i wasn't even on twitter when I started doing this show, I finally did get on Twitter, I don't know, three, four years ago. And I tried to be active and there were times where I would try to to weigh in on serious issues because for the most part, my social media is just nonsense. On Instagram, I just like to share, you know, not goofy pictures I've taken or nice pictures of flowers or whatever or silly memes or funny animal videos on Twitter. I will occasionally chime in on something that's a bit more serious. But I find that then when the negative reactions start coming in, I just don't want to deal with it. And some of them are pretty bad. And there was an exchange I had recently with somebody where I just point blank said, first of all, the language that you've chosen here is repulsive. And then this person replied, to try to continue the discussion and and I just walked away. I sort of made my point and I walked away and other times I just walk away. And when I look at some of our global news colleagues, like Mercedes Stevenson jumps top of mind. She is a warrior on Twitter and she has to be because she deals with so much anger, uh, just for sharing the news.
1: Yeah. Sometimes it's for the things that she might be reporting. Other times it's just so deeply personal, and so then you have to wonder, you know, where's your line in responding? And I have to give her credit for responding because she's she's on a mission to sh- to respond to those who are calling out facts and information and saying, you know, nope, wrong. This is the source. Nope, wrong. This is actually what the politician had to say. Nope, wrong. These are the questions I asked, and therefore, you know, I, I she wants to push back to 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 have that exchange, but I, I'm i of the mind that I don't even like to even post things because I don't want to deal with what I know will be mm-hmm. the backlash, which is which is just wrong.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, that's sort of where I've gotten to on Twitter, and um, even with, I, I'll admit that I used to share our question of the day uh, for, that we put up at CJOB.com on Twitter as well, and I used to tag us in those tweets, and eventually I stopped tagging us because I just couldn't. I didn't. I didn't want to deal with the endless stream of, uh, well, not entirely negative comments, but so many negative comments. And I've just, I've just kind of. And and to be fair. We have, like, there's nothing in our work agreement that says you must do social media. There was a point, I want to say, I guess kind of when social media really started to take off 10 years ago, where there were requirements from everybody here that you must post this much stuff per shift. And now we've been told to go the complete opposite direction. We've been told if you don't want to be on social media, period, don't. You're but-
1: but It's one thing, you know, Brett, I'm thinking about, we're talking about people that we might not know, right? That are engaging with us. Uh, you don't know them personally or you can't put the face to that name. Yep. What do you do when it's someone you do know? Yep. Which has happened to me too, uh, where, where mean or hateful things have been said about, on a general sense, either a topic or a place where I work or a place I've visited. And they know I, you know, I know they know that they're making that connection and you want to say, hang on just said something pretty hateful about something that, you know, that I love and you want to confront that, but you just, it's so tiring.
0: Yeah. I, I'm part of a group chat on WhatsApp with some of my friends and there, there is some, some pretty colorful stuff that gets said in it and sometimes it goes too far. And for the most part I will just kind of back off and say whatever, but there have been, there was an instance recently I can't remember what it was, and whatever it was, I probably can't share on the air anyway, but I was compelled to chime in and say, guys, like, it's 2022, we're in our 40s, do we have to speak like this? It, this is ridiculous. And no one really said anything, probably because they didn't really know what to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, But it felt, I will admit, it felt super awkward for me to do that. I didn't feel good about it. I felt like I didn't feel good for criticizing these people I care about. And at the same time, I felt like it had to be said. So I guess in a way, kind of mission accomplished, but it just wasn't pleasant. So to your question, like, what do you do? Are you more inclined to walk away? And that, that unfortunately is kind of where I'm at for the most part. I'd rather just walk away than deal with it and, I guess because this was just friendly, if it was something that where it was far more anger, angry and hateful, then uh, maybe I would be more inclined to hold the line, as it were.
1: I'd love to know what people do. It could, be, it could be someone that you've dealt with as a friend. It could be something on social media. It could be someone, you know, we've seen countless posts to social media, people sharing videos of someone losing it on the customer service rep, losing it in a Starbucks line, losing it with hate and angry things for all manner of displays of ugly, if you call it. Do you step in or you just watch it unfold and hope it passes?
0: What's something that you know you should buy, that you need to buy, but you just don't? 204-780-6868 is where we've been asking you for a chance to win tickets for the Burt Block Party. August 19th, Nazareth, Streetheart and the Headpins. Michelle, for example, says... Three, here are three things. It's for me, it is a fan, it's winter boots, and it's a back scratcher, Loren.
1: First of all, I'm gonna put the back scratcher number one on the list of things you need to buy, (laughs) despite the fact that you really should have winter boots. I have three of them, and I don't regret any of them.
0: Three back scratchers? Three
1: backs, sorry, two and a half because of Moose, but (laughs) I have two and a half. None of them are here, but I love the back scratcher.
0: Yeah, I was just going to ask you, have any of them made their way here?
1: I have them here, and then I brought them all home at the start of the pandemic, and I just haven't brought them back.
0: you forgetting to bring one in? Yeah. Ed says, I'm a 69-year-old male. I want to get a lawn tractor. I have an acre an of acre. grass to cut. <laughs> My wife says, just push the regular more. Well, it takes eight hours and maybe more. After four years, I've made my mind up. Here comes my John Deere.
1: Oh, bite the bullet, Ed. That's worth it for an acre of grass. Uh, Terry said, and I have to say, this is—I've been in this boat before with all sorts of things like lotions and—I've this is wrong, but pills that you might just keep and use. But Terry says I always need to buy new makeup. I don't wear it often, yet I have it for years and years. And yeah, I know they say it goes bad, but it still looks good. <laughs> I should probably get rid of some. Have a great day, Terry says.
0: What? that I guess it would go bad, eh? Hey?
1: Yeah, like like it's. Don't ask me. <laughs> I still have makeup left over from global days, and I'm like, it's still good. It's still good. <laughs> it's four and a half years later, I I I I. Some of it's expensive. Like you could buy an eyeshadow that could be thirty dollars for one color, yeah. Depending on what kind you're getting, and so that that you're not using that in a year, I don't. <laughs> don't know what the shelf life is you're talking to someone who clearly just uses makeup from her grandmother's days
0: i'm just thinking like you're putting this stuff on your eyes you're putting it on your mouth like it's it could make it its way in to your eyes or your mouth and if it's expired i would imagine not good but as someone who does not wear makeup i I have no idea
1: it's apparently one depending on the product one to two years for most things
0: and does it say what happened like can you get are there repercussions potentially for using badly oh, expired that's makeup? that's why
1: I have a double chin. <laughs> that's not what I was getting at. Too Come yet. on. No, I know that's not why you are. That's going to be my excuse. <laughs> I just gave you, you been, a. You've been putting on some weight, Loren. What have you been eating this summer? Oh, it's my foundation. It's,
0: it's my expired makeup. It's two years old.
1: <laughs> no, I'm not. That wasn't at you. That was, I now have a foolproof. Ah,
0: it's my ah. mascara. <laughs> Cheryl is our winner. We read this earlier, but we're going to read it again because Cheryl went through some something pretty tough here. A couple of years ago, we had a rash of break-ins. They got into her garage, and over the summer, they stole every piece of equipment we had, including a garden tiller, two lawnmowers, snowblower, and even my wheelchair. We replaced the wheelchair, but nothing else. We have a scythe that we use to cut the grass. And I know, I guess now he looks really scary using it, so no one dares to break in. Because who wants to mess with the Grim Reaper?
1: No, it's the crazy man up the street just standing there hacking away. I picture him in, like, suspenders and some yeah. sort of, like, beet stain on his shirt, but it looks like blood. <laughs> so you're just totally freaked out by him. <laughs>
0: Cheryl, that made us smile. Sorry about the break-ins. Oh, that's awful. But the, paint, the picture you painted with the side uh, is worth the win for the bird block party. <laughs> Curious to know, what are the bugs like in your neighborhood? Because the city says trap counts are fairly low, at least uh, nowhere near fogging territory for mosquitoes. And Winnipeggers aren't the only Lucky Ones, listener in Nipua, says no mosquitoes. Eddie and Ilda Shane says no mosquitoes. Yeah,
1: but I think we all know, as the saying goes, it's really all relative. It might just depend on where you live. And so at 737, we spoke to Cheryl Bird. She's from Saging. It's at the end of the Winnipeg River on the east side of Lake Winnipeg. And man, her situation is very, I, I'm going to like six varies in here. Very, 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 very different. Well, it's
5: right, but um, most days, we just make a dash from the vehicle to the house. And they're swarming. But some, I mean, those are the least of my worries. We have the lumberjacks. They're very huge. The ones with the. They're black spruce beetles with the long antennas. They bite really hard. There's tons of those around our house. And oh, those ones bite, do they? They bite? They do. You know what? No word of a lie. One landed on my ear and it screamed in my ear. Those things sound. Awful. They scream.
0: So you say the mosquitoes are the least of your problems. You got lumberjacks. The, the, those are the black beetles with the long antennas. Didn't know they bite. Thanks for the tip on oh, that. You also they refer bite to... Hard. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. So uh, they, they look like they probably want to bite through trees and whatnot. Bulldogs. What are bulldogs?
5: Bulldogs, they look like big black flies, but they're a little bit on the browner side. Those two also bite hard. And if you go for... Um, like we... We live right where the beach is, and if you go in the water, the bulldogs come right after you, and they swarm you.
0: Is that not a horsefly?
5: I think it is a horsefly.
1: So you've put up a tent. Tell us what the tent was like, and then what happened to it.
5: Okay, uh, we have a black bear that comes here every day and scopes out the yard, scopes out the vehicles. I I have uh, bear paw paw prints on our vehicles every morning. He just comes and looks around, see what's to eat. Like, I left Burger King in the truck the other day, and that was my mistake, and he was really clawing at the door to get at it.
0: Is there any relief at all? Like, or can... Because, for example, a buddy... When I, I mentioned I was at Grounded Hills Golfing, a friend of mine, he and his family had rented a cabin uh, on the street, like, basically down the street from the course, and it was lovely, and they, there was had came with a lovely yard, but he said that they... Couldn't stay outside beyond 7 p.m. because the bugs were horrific. So, do you at least get some relief during the day?
5: Uh, at the day, I'm at work, and most of the time we stay inside. And there's also another bug. I don't know what the the term, the real name for the bugs are, but they're called no noceums. They come through the screen and they come through the screen tent, and those two also bite. They're like little gnats.
1: Yeah, I've heard of the so no. no. So no relief. I'm, no relief. I'm curious, Cheryl, before we let you go, you know, so many of us look forward to summer. Are you a summer person or a winter person then, given what you- i
5: I think I'm a winter person, because <laughs> at least in winter I can be outside. Oh, man. Well,
1: best of luck out there this morning, I guess, Cheryl, is where we should leave it at.
5: Yeah, the best thing is the wind. The windy days are the best.
1: We laughed at that, you and I, Brett, because we often curse the wind. Mm -hmm. You know, we're sick of it. We want to die down. But it's true when it comes to bugs. The the wind really does help. And I think it's such a bizarre year. One of the reasons why we're talking about this is because we really did. I know I was every day that it rained in May and June, I thought, oh, man, like these mosquitoes are going to be horrendous. And I haven't like knock on wood, you know, there's lots of summer left to go, but. It's been a nice season bugwise, for us. Cheryl has a vastly different story. And of course, some of our listeners have different stories.
0: Yep. Todd S. says the worms are super bad in the St. James area, specifically pointing to Overdale Street down the uh, down the street from um, Sergeant Sunday. And of course, Assiniboine Park right across the street. Because I had mentioned that I've only seen a handful mm-hmm. of canker worms. And I live in... What could potentially be one of the worst neighborhoods in the city for that, with some of the biggest, oldest trees, you know, Osborne Village right on the edge of River Heights. And uh, there have been years where I simply have not been able to go for a walk, period, Mm -hmm. because they're just there everywhere. Uh, Like I remember, (laughs) sorry, I'm just thinking of this now. I went to pick up a pizza from uh, Coliseo, I don't know, four years ago. Gordon, Yeah, Cordon. Yeah. I can't remember the cross streets, uh, Hugo, Daly, somewhere in there. And uh, so we parked under a huge tree and it was a little windy that day. So all the worms are hanging off of their web. Yeah. But the wind is blowing them all over the place. And the girl I was dating at the time, she was freaked out so bad. And it was gross. Like, it's just you, you don't want these things to land on you because they, they get in your hat. They get in your clothes. They get in your hair. Um, Sandy says, I'm in the Fanny Stell area. Thought this year, with it being so wet, crickets wouldn't be as bad as last year during the drought. Nope, they're just as bad. It's like the invasion of the crickets, and she actually has to spray her property. She's already done her first sweep of the day, had her first sweep done by before 8 o'clock, I think, Loren.
1: Yeah, and I'm fascinated by the people who do their own kind of treatment for things, right? Whether it be like a natural or chemical substance, there's a growing number of RMs that might throw out some fogging efforts or larvaciding to help with mosquitoes. Andy works in transportation for the movie industry, and so they set up at all sorts of different locations, Andy says. In the city, not bothered by mosquitoes, but outside of town, it's atrocious. I forgot my spray last night, and with minutes, I was swarmed, Andy says. Near any standing water, I recommend bug spray. Needless to say, I had over 20 hits in my arms and head. Within minutes. So wow. it really just depends where you are. And of course, uh, Bruce, who lives in Nipua, who likes to take digs at me because I take digs at Nipua, he says, well, you should know there's loads of mosquitoes in Minidosa. <laughs> but fortunately, they are slower than most.
9: <laughs> oh! Double shot. Like a double
1: shot.
0: <laughs> so Minidosa has the mosquitoes, Nipua does not. And uh, he's implying that because they're in Minidosa, they're of a lower intellect. Is, is that it?
1: I'm not even responding to that. I but just I, figured
0: I I'd explain it. I know. You like to- I
1: like to double down on the explainer when things are supposedly funny. That one wasn't funny, so I'm just not explaining
0: it. <laughs> Fine. Bug spray. Do you do bug spray, Lauren?
1: Only when I need it. Like I don't I don't put it on like I put sunscreen on every day, but I wouldn't put bug spray on unless I'm heading out into our area where I think they're going to bug me.
0: I hate it. I just I can't stand it. It's a it's a it, it is very much a desperation move for me if I if I give in. And cave in to the bugs or to the bug spray, it's because they are really, really bad. Like I was prepared once at a golf course. I think it might have been Maplewood uh, and St. Pierre Jolie. There's one particular it's the fourth tee box so it's right beside the river and there's you're surra- There's a tree, a tree line along the river, and you're there's trees to your right, trees to your left, trees to the, the back, and it was brutal, just brutal. We were prepared to spend like twenty five dollars on yeah. a can of bug spray from the the beverage cart server, but she just she just let us use hers, and she had some sort of industrial bug spray that may probably gave us. We were joking, like I think we just gave each other skin cancer with this stuff, but it worked. But I still hate it. It's just the When you get the combo, the sunscreen and the bug spray, you just feel like, you know, you're like, I I might as well just put on butter because that's how it feels. It feels gross. And
1: I'm feeling, we talked about feeling guilty for different things yesterday when it comes to summer. Well, I'm feeling guilty now about how good I have it so far with the bugs because I have been able to get outside and enjoy it for the most part. And when you listen to Cheryl say she prefers winter over summer, and people do for all sorts of reasons, Mm. but hers is in part because of the bugs. Yeah, You have to feel bad about that. How often do we look so forward to the year? And that was my thing in the spring. Oh, we've been dying for this great summer. We just want the winter to end. It's been going on forever. Please stop raining so we can enjoy the summer. And I didn't think we would as we have. I feel like I have to knock on wood a thousand times. Or whatever thing people do when they jinx themselves.
0: And we have one more here. Listener says we have a cabin in Manaki, Ontario. Dense bush, far away from any mosquito spraying. Have to say the bugs are at an all-time low day and night. The reason being bonfires every night. The cabin is candlelit, and when it's time to go to bed, the candles have a bunch of dead bugs around the base of the candle. One can only assume a big bonfire successfully wipes out the area of the the pesky bugs. That's interesting. So Candlelit
1: in the house. That you, is interesting. Like
0: old school. Yeah. Candlelit. That's a cabin I experience. I still
1: like those uh, mosquito coils. I, To me, they still are, still are the best thing when the, you're sitting around.
0: The coils? Yeah. Yeah, they do. Uh, they. I, mean, I, I kind of like the smell of those mosquito coils. Which,
1: again, coils. getting to things that probably aren't good for you, you wonder. <laughs> I've never looked <laughs> deeply at the ingredients of that, but they work for me.
0: <laughs> Just get
8: up nice and close and take a whiff of the mosquito coil. Yeah, maybe don't do that.